Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, LeVar Burton Reed's listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them. And I hope you will too. And I can't wait to read you more live stories this fall. That's right. I'm taking the podcast on the road again and tickets have just gone on sale. Live readings, live author interviews, live musicians playing accompaniment. That's starting this Halloween. Go to LeVarBurtonPodcast.com slash tour to get your tickets for the shows in Washington, D.C., Toronto, Ontario, Brooklyn, Collingswood, New Jersey, Boston, Austin, Texas, Dallas, and Atlanta. We're going to have a very good time, y'all. So get your tickets, and I'll see you there. And with that bit of business taken care of, let's talk about this story for today, because it is a doozy. It comes from the science fiction and fantasy author Ellen Clages, and Ellen has been nominated or won just about every sci-fi or fantasy award out there, and she is exceptional at world building. I read that her dad says she has a memory like a lint trap, which is a lovely way to put it. The idea of trapping Sometimes inadvertently details and emotions in your brain to remember. And this story captures a lot of the feelings of being a small child, visiting a complete other world that's just down the street from her own house. The story is from Ellen's collection entitled Wicked Wonders, and it is a collection aptly named. Children are naturally predisposed to wonder. They are literally seeing new things all the time, taking them in and considering them carefully. But wonder doesn't just mean being pleasantly surprised. It means being astonished sometimes, experiencing something new, maybe even mysterious, and being rapt at the sight. That's something that we get a lot of in this story. Now, here's a content warning. LeVar Burton Reads is a podcast for adults. Y'all, and if you have a child listening with you now, that's all well and good because you know the maturity level of your child much better than I do. But I'm just saying, this isn't a story for kids. So, if you are ready, let's take a deep breath. And begin. Singing on a Star by Ellen Clages. I'm spending the night with my friend, Jamie. My first sleepover. She lives two doors down in a house that looks just like mine, except for the color. I'm almost six. My father walks me down the block after dinner, carrying my mother's brown Samsonite travel case. Inside are my toothbrush, my bear, a clean pair of panties, just in case, and my PJs with feet. 
I am carrying my Uncle Wiggly game, my favorite. I can't wait until she sees it. Jamie answers the door. She has no front teeth, and her thick, dark hair is held back by two bright red barrettes. My hair is too short to do any tricks. Her mother, Mrs. Galloway, comes out from the kitchen wearing an apron with big daisies. The air smells like chocolate. She says there are cookies in the oven and we can have some later. And my, doesn't that look like a fun game? My father pats me on the shoulder and goes into Mr. Galloway's den to have a Blatt's beer and talk about baseball and taxes. There is only a downstairs, like our house. Jamie's room is at the end of the hall. It has pale pink walls and two beds with green, nubbly spreads. Mrs. Galloway puts my suitcase on the bed next to the window, where Jamie doesn't sleep, and says she'll bring us some cookies in a jiffy. I know Jamie from kindergarten. We are both in Miss Flanagan's afternoon class. We share a cubby in the cloakroom, play outside with chalk and jump ropes, and are in the same reading circle. This is the first time we've been alone together. It's her room, and I don't know what to do now. I put Uncle Wiggily down on the bed and look out the window. It's not quite dark. The sky is TV blue, and if I scrunch my neck a little, I can see the edge of the swing set in my own backyard. I feel a little less lost. It's time to listen to my special record now, Jamie says. She holds up a bright yellow record, the color of lemon jello. I can see the shadows of her hands through it. She opens the lid of the red and white portable record player on her bookshelf. I'm jealous. I'm not allowed to play records by myself yet because of the needle. Jamie plunks it down on the spinning disc and the room fills with the smooth crooning of a man's voice. You can sing your song on a star. Take my hand, it's not very far. You'll be fine dressed just as you are. We have to go before the song ends, Jamie says, so we can see Hollis. Jamie is not this bossy at school, I nod, even though I don't know who Hollis is. Maybe it's her bear. My bear's name is Charles. Jamie points to a door in the pale pink wall next to my bed. We have to go in there. Into the closet? Why? It's only a closet sometimes, Jamie says, as if I should know this. She opens the door. Inside is... An elevator, closed off by a brass cage made of interlocking X's. Wow. I have never been in a house with an elevator before. I know, says Jamie. She pushes the cage open, the X's squeezing into narrow diamonds with a creaking groan. Come on. My stomach feels funny, like I have already eaten too many cookies, Where are we? Come on, says Jamie. The song's not very long. She grabs the sleeve of my striped shirt and tugs me through, pulling the brass cage closed again behind us. To the right of the door is a line of lighted buttons, taller than I can reach. Jamie presses the bottom button, L. A solid panel slides in front of the brass cage, shutting us off from the room with the pink walls. There is a clank and a whir of a motor. I close my eyes. The elevator moves. In a minute, it stops with another clank and the rattle of the brass cage squeezing open. 
Hi, Hollis, says Jamie. Why, hello, Miss Jamie, a voice answers. What a delightful surprise. It is an odd voice, soft and raspy, a bit squeaky, like a not-quite-grown-up boy. I open my eyes. I don't know where we are. Not in Jamie's house. Not anywhere in our neighborhood. Outside the elevator is a tall room with a speckled linoleum floor and a staircase with a wooden railing curving up and out of sight. A rectangle of sunlight slants across the tiles. I remember my swing set in the almost dark. I feel dizzy. Come on, says Jamie. She tugs at my sleeve again. Come meet Hollis. I step out of the elevator. The room smells old and dusty, with a sharp tang, like they forgot to change the cat box. At first, I don't see anyone. Then, I notice a little room under the stairs. The floor inside is bare wood, and a man is sitting on a folding chair, reading a magazine with a flashy lady on the cover. Two surprises, says the man. What a great day this is turning out to be. He smiles as he closes his magazine, but his voice sounds sad as if he's about to apologize. This is my friend Becca. Jamie says. She's very good at jacks. A fine skill indeed, Hollis says. I'm pleased to make your acquaintance. Me too, I say. I'm not sure I mean it. Hollis looks as odd as his voice sounds. He is not young and is very thin. The skin under his eyes droops like a bloodhound. His hair sticks out in tufts around his head like cotton candy, but the color of ginger ale. He's wearing gray pants and a red jacket with a bow tie. On the pocket of his jacket is a black plastic bar that says Hollis in white capital letters. I want to go up to the roof today says Jamie. Will there be trains? A most excellent question, Hollis says. Let me check the schedule. He pulls back his cuff and looks at his wristwatch. The face is square and so yellowed I can't see any numbers. Yes, just as I thought. Plenty of time before the next arrivals. And a good thing, too. I'm feeling a bit peckish. I don't know that word, but Jamie laughs and claps her hands. I was hoping you were, she says. But, she shakes her head, but you can't leave your post. No, he says, even more sad than before. He looks around the empty lobby like he expects someone to appear. No, I can't leave my post. I could go, Jamie says. She sounds as if she just thought of it, but I think they are telling each other an old joke. One I don't know. Hollis snaps his fingers. Why, yes, you could. You're a big girl. He turns to me. Are you a big girl, too? I don't feel very big at all. Too much is happening, but I hear my own voice telling my mother, I'm a big girl now, when she didn't think I was old enough for a sleepover. Yes, I say, louder than I mean to. I'm a big girl. So you are, says Hollis. So you are. He pulls a green leather disc out of his pocket, about the size of a cookie, with the top 
all folded over itself and pinches the bottom. The folded parts open like a flower. When he holds it out to Jamie, I can see that it's a coin purse. Jamie takes out two nickels. And one for your friend, Hollis says. He holds the purse out to me and I take a coin. The leather petals refold around themselves. The usual, asks Jamie. She sounds much older here. But of course, he says, Farlington's best. Jamie leads the way. The front door of this building is glass and wood with a transom tilting in at the top. I've never seen one before, but I hear the word in my head. Transom. I say it under my breath, and I can taste it in the back of my throat. I've never tasted a word before. I like that. Out on the sidewalk, a white-on-black neon sign buzzes above our heads and stretches halfway up the tall brownstone building. Hotel Mizbah. Weekly rates. This is a noisy place. Cars and trucks honk their horns under the viaduct, and men are yelling about money at a bar next door. I hear a clang and turn to see a green streetcar clattering down tracks in the middle of the street, sparks snapping from the wires overhead. The lighted front of the car says... Farlington. What's Farlington? I ask Jamie. It's where we are, silly. Where are we, though? She huffs a sigh and puts her hands on her hips. In Farlington. She seems to think this is enough of an answer and skips a step ahead of me. I want to go home. I don't know how to get there from this street. My neighborhood has trees and front yards and driveways and grass. Here, all I can see is dirty bricks and stone buildings, black wires crisscrossing everywhere. We come to the corner of the block. Above a wooden rack of magazines and paperback books is a faded green awning that says, Sid's News. This... It's Sid's, Jamie says. It's my favoritest place. Sid's isn't exactly a store, more like a cave scooped out of the corner with shelves on both sides. On the left are a hundred different magazines, all bright colors and pictures. My parents only get life and TV Guide. On the right are rows and rows of cigarettes in white and green and red packs and boxes of cigars with foreign ladies on their lids. The slick paper and tobacco smell spicy, dry, and a little sour. I almost sneeze. In front of us, a woman in an orange cardigan, her glasses halfway down her nose, sits on a stool behind a counter full of more candy and gum than I've ever seen in one place in my whole life. Hershey's and Sky Bars, Jujubes and Paydays, 20 flavors of Lifesavers in a rolled log, metal display, and dozens I've never seen before. I think about pirate gold and jewels and Alibaba, every treasure story I've ever heard. This is better. Wow, I say. See? Says Jamie. The woman behind the counter looks up. Hey, kid. It's been a while. Hi, Mrs. Sid. How's business? Can't complain, she says. What'll it be today? The usual. Jamie drops her two nickels onto the rubber old gold's mat. That is the only clear space on the counter. 
Raxar it is. Can't say that I blame you. Two. Three. This is my friend Becca. She's never had one. Mrs. Sid raises an eyebrow. It's her first time here, says Jamie. Ah. I shake my head. No thanks. I want a three musket. You can get those anywhere, says Mrs. Sid. Try this. She reaches over the counter and picks up a candy bar with a pale steel blue wrapper. Thicker than a Hershey, not as thick as a three musketeer. On the front, in shining silver letters, it says, Raxar. The X is two crossed lightning bolts. Trust me, you've never had anything like it. I take the bar and hold out the nickel in my hand. Mrs. Sid shakes her head. Keep it, kid. The first one is free. She rings open the cash register and rattles Jamie's nickels into the wooden drawer. Back on the sunny sidewalk, the silver X winks bright and dull, bright and dull as I walk. Farlington Confectionery Company, it says on the side. I start to pull open the wrapper. Not now, Jamie says. Hollis doesn't have his yet. I stop. I'm her guest, so I have to be polite. When we get back to the door below Hotel Mizpah, Jamie puts her hands behind her back. Hollis is waiting by the elevator. What did you bring me? He asks. Raxar! Jamie says, and holds her hands out in front of her, a blue-gray bar flat on each palm. Hoorah, says Hollis. It's the same forwards and backwards. His voice sounds like he's very disappointed, but he's smiling and his droopy eyes are bright. Now on to the penthouse. Hollis hangs an out-of-service sign on a nail by the elevator door and holds the brass cage open for us. He presses the very top button and the elevator clanks and whirs for more than a minute. I don't know what to expect when the doors open. But it's just a hallway with the same dingy linoleum and stairs as the lobby. We climb eight steps. The top is a metal door that Hollis opens with a key. Watch your feet, he says. I step over the raised sill, out onto a roof of gravel-embedded tar. A stone wall about a foot wide runs along all four sides. My sneakers make crunching sounds as I walk over to the nearest corner. Standing on tiptoe, I can rest my arms on the gritty top and look out almost forever. It is the highest up I have ever been, and I feel like I'm flying, standing still. From here, the world is made of boxes, straight-sided rectangles of brown and gray, walls and streets, windows and doorways, rows of brick and stone ledges on buildings that look so small I could hold one in my hand. Below me are other rooftops with chimneys and water tanks and laundry flapping and the flat black top of the buzzing Mizpah sign. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now, let's get back to our story. I don't know how long I stand there, taking in all the lines and angles. When I look up, Jamie is waving at me from the opposite wall. It's almost time for the train, she calls. I crunch over to where she and Hollis stand. There are more boxes on this side, but also trees in the far distance and the curve of a river. The light is golden, late afternoon, as if the city has been dipped in butter. Jamie points her Raxar bar at me. When you hear the train, open yours and take a bite. Okay. I take it out of my pocket and, like the others, cock my head and listen. After a minute, I hear the faint rumble of heavy wheels on invisible tracks and the long, low notes of the train's whistle. Now, says Jamie. I slide my finger under the glued flap. The steel blue wrapper is heavy paper lined with a thin foil and crinkles as I unfold it. The bar inside is the same color as the afternoon light. I bite into one corner of it and my mouth is flooded with magic. It tastes like toasted butter, malted milk, brown sugar, and flavors I have no name for. The bar is solid at the first touch of my teeth, then crumbles and melts onto my tongue. I look at the glittering lightning X, then at Jamie. Well, she says. There are golden crumbs at the corner of her mouth, and her bar is already half gone. It's, it's, it's great, is all I can manage. I told you says Jamie. She takes a huge bite of hers, most of what remains. The train whistle sounds again, a little closer now, louder. What does the train say to you? Hollis asks me. Let's have an adventure, I answer after a moment. I nibble at my Raxar bar, tiny bites making it last. Ah, he says. It is a long ah. What? That means the people inside are going to the right place. They'll have a fine merry time there. 
Where are they going? It's different for everyone. I nod. Another minute, and there is only one bite of candy left. I put it in my mouth and hold it in my cheek, like a hamster, letting my new favorite flavor melt away until it is only a memory. Hollis holds his hand out for the empty wrapper. What does it sound like to you? I ask. He tilts his head, considering. Like a saxophone, he says. Hornful. A little tarnished. So what does that mean? I lick my lips and find one more golden crumb. It means those people are going into the wrong future, he says, shaking his head. They're all coming to Farlington, and none of their dreams will ever come true. My arm gets all goosebumps. Does Jamie know that? No, he says. I don't think she does. He reaches over and touches the red barrette in her hair, sliding his hand down to stroke her cheek, the way my mother pets the cat. Jamie is looking out at the trees and doesn't seem to care. I'd like to go home, please, I say. My voice sounds very small. The light is fading, says Hollis. I suppose it's time. Can we stay just a few? Jamie starts. No, he says. You're not safe here at night. He moves his hand to her shoulder and gives it a little squeeze. Not yet. He follows us across the gravel and inside, pausing to lock the metal door behind him. The stairwell is dark after the sunlit roof. The elevator is waiting for us. Hollis opens the brass gate and pushes a button I hadn't noticed before, a squiggle between the six and the seven. Then he steps back out into the hall. Goodbye, Miss Jamie, he says as he closes the gate. I'll see you again soon. He looks at me. It was nice to meet you, Miss Becca. I nod, but I don't look up until the metal panel slides shut and Hollis is gone. The elevator clanks and whirs. I cross my fingers, both hands. When the door opens, the voice is crooning the last lines of the song. You can stay put right where you are. Or sing your song upon a star. But that's not possible. My legs shaking, I step out of the elevator into the room with the pale pink walls in my game, lying on top of the green nubbly bedspread. I am so glad to see Uncle Wiggly. Jamie closes the gate and then the closet door. She walks over to the record player where the yellow disc is now going around and around, hissing like static, and lifts the needle. Isn't that the best place? She slips the record into its cardboard sleeve. We can play your game now if you... We hear footsteps in the hall, and Jamie turns to me, her eyes fierce. You can't tell. Not ever. But what if my... She grabs my arm hard. Promise, or I can never go back. Okay. I pull my arm away. Okay, I promise. I sit down next to Uncle Wiggly and look out the window. Mrs. Galloway opens the door and comes in carrying a plate of cookies so warm I can smell them. Cleaner's bag is folded over one arm. Who's ready for chocolate chips? I am, says Jamie. She takes two cookies and bites into one. How about you, Becca? Mrs. Galloway holds the plate out to me. 
I shake my head slowly. My stomach feels funny. Oh? Mrs. Galloway sets the plate down on the bed and puts the back of her hand on my forehead. You don't have a fever, she says. Do you want some Pepto? I don't think so. Hmm. Would you like to go home, dear? I nod. Well, I'm not really surprised. Five is a little young for a big adventure like this. She pats my shoulder. Let me hang up Jamie's good dress and walk you back. She reaches for the knob of the closet door. No, I want to shout. But when she opens it, nothing's inside except clothes on hangers and three pairs of shoes on the floor. The record's over, Jamie says, and it's dark now. Her voice is cool, matter of fact. I'll see you in school, I say. Jamie turns and closes the lid of the record player. Maybe. Mrs. Galloway walks me home through the last moments of twilight, and my mother fusses over me and puts me to bed. When she folds my pants over the back of my chair, a nickel falls out of the pocket. Where did this come from? she asks. I don't know how to answer that. Um, Mrs. Galloway, in case the ice cream truck came, but it didn't. I've never lied before. My stomach squirms. Nothing else happens. That was nice of her. She puts the nickel down on the bedside table and tucks me and my bear under the covers. Big day, honey. You'll feel better in the morning. She kisses my forehead. When she's gone, I pick up the coin. It is smooth and round and nickel-sized, but the man on it is not Jefferson. On the back, F-A-R-L-I-N-G-T-E-N curves around a picture of an animal that's not a buffalo. I feel picky sweat and goosebumps again, and I want to throw it away, but I don't. I think of pirate gold and Alibaba and butter light on tall square stone. I can almost taste a Raxar bar. I get up and put the coin in my box on my dresser under the felt lining, just in case. In the darkness, lying in bed, even my own room seems strange now. A car drives by. A slanting square of light plays across my ceiling, corner to corner, glass and chrome reflecting the street light outside. My closet door leaps into the light for just a moment. I turn my head the other way, but when I close my eyes, I see the X's of an impossible elevator and taste transom in the back of my throat. Monday starts the last week of kindergarten. Every day, Jamie puts her things in our cubby and sits on my right in reading circle. She watches me, but I don't want to talk to her. At recess, I play Red Rover with other kids. On Tuesday, we return our library books after snack. I wait until Jamie is over by the biographies and ask Mrs. Gascoigne if she knows where Farlington is. Farlington? <laughs> no, dear. Not right offhand. But if you want, I can look it up. Except she can't. There's no Farlington in the phone book, or on the state map, or even in the big atlas of the whole world. No Farlington anywhere.
Thursday night, the air is hot and thick. Thunder rumbles far away, but rain hasn't come to our house yet. I toss and turn, sweaty under just a sheet. Through my open window, I can hear the murmur of my parents' voices from the back porch, smell the sweet, acrid waft of smoke from my father's pipe. Then I hear the music. Not from the hi-fi in our living room, but from outside, a few houses down. I jump like I've been pinched, and the smooth crooning glides faintly over the distant thunder. seems to go on forever. I look out my window and wonder about Jamie. I shudder when a train whistles somewhere in the distant darkness, all grays and browns. It does not sound like an adventure. Jamie is not in school. Friday afternoon. My mother picks me up at three o'clock because I have a box with my rest rug and paintings and papers to bring home for the summer. We are at the front door when Miss Flanagan calls from my classroom. Becca, you left this in your cubby. She hurries down the hall. I'm glad I caught you, she says, handing me a stiff cardboard sleeve. It's a record. On the TV blue cover is a cartoon of a little girl with dark hair. She is sitting with her legs dangling over one arm of a bright yellow star. Across the top, in magic marker, it says B-E-C-K-A. I stare at it. That's not how I write my K's. I've never seen that one before, my mother says. I can hear the question in her voice. She buys all my things. I can't explain. I don't even know how it got into the cubby. It was sort of a present, I say, after a minute. I'm not sure I want it. Who? Well, never mind. I hope you thank them. My mother slips it under my rest rug, then puts the box into the back of the station wagon. I can feel it through the back of my neck as we drive. She pulls into the parking lot of Ackerman's Drugs, six blocks from our house. I need to pick up a few things, she says. So, I thought we might celebrate with a Sunday, Miss First Grader. Ackerman's smells like perfume and ice cream mixed with bitter medicine dust. The candy counter is next to the red and chrome soda fountain. While my mother buys aspirin and prel shampoo, I look at every candy bar in the display. No lightning bolts. Do you have a Raxar? I ask the counterman when he is done making a milkshake. Hmm, Raxar. Never heard of it. I'm not really surprised. When we pull into the driveway, there are police cars parked. Two doors down. My mother frowns and carries my box to my room before she walks to the Galloway's to see what's happened. I put the record on my dresser, next to the box with the nickel. That night, my mother checks the lock on the front door twice after dinner. At bedtime, she tucks me in tight and kisses me more than usual. Can... I have a record player for my birthday, I ask. 
She smiles. I suppose so. You're a big girl now. So you are, echoes Hollis in his odd, sad voice. So you are. I am, I say, first grade. (laughs) I know, honey. Mother sits down on the edge of my covers. But even big girls can... Her hand smooths the unwrinkled sheet over and over. When you were out playing, did you ever see your friend Jamie talking to a man you didn't know? I think, just for a second, then shake my head and keep my promise. Well, you be careful. Don't go anywhere with a stranger, even if they give you candy. Okay? I won't, I say. I don't look at the record on my dresser, and I wonder if I am lying. Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) I freaking love this story. You know what it reminds me of? This story reminds me of like one of those great episodes of The Twilight Zone where it's the world we live in, but it's not the world we live in. There's just, you know, there's just something askew. You know, there's just something that's off. Um, Like that elevator, right? That's in a closet in a girl's bedroom that goes to this hotel in this mysterious place. Another part of town, maybe another part of the universe. Who the hell knows where this elevator ends up? And this guy, Hollis. Hollis is the stuff of a child's nightmares because he's that guy. He's that guy that offers kids candy. And then they disappear, you know? It's, it's every parent's nightmare told from a child's point of view. All children want to do is experience the world through a grown-up's eyes. Because grown-ups get to do whatever they want. And no one ever tells them what they have to do. No one tells grown-ups that they have to go to bed. No one tells grown-ups that they have to eat their vegetables. No one tells grown-ups that they have to be quiet, right? And so children, for better or worse, spend a lot of their time wishing that they were grown-ups. And so they, they tend to want to live in that fast-paced grown-up existence until they get a taste of it. And, 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 and then, you know... It's running, screaming, and wailing back to mom's waist, grabbing her skirts. It's one of the things that, that, that I just, I loved about this story was that she so brilliantly, I think, delivered that child's point of view. Um, it really, really deftly and, and, and gave us, the reader, a clear sense of the danger that lies before this child, Becca. What Ellen has done here is, is taken this, this little incident and, 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 and twisted it so that we feel, or at least I did, I felt the, the danger. I felt the edges of that other reality folding in on this one, the one that we are most familiar with. And, and, and that's, that's just the best feeling. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is the best in the business, Julia Smith. And our assistant producer is Audrey No. Our editing and sound design is by Misha Stanton. And thanks, as always, to our consulting producer, Mr. Adam I want to thank Craig Horlbeck, who provided his engineering expertise for today's episode. Thank you, Craig. 
I am incredibly grateful to Ellen Clages for allowing me to read her story today. You can find it in her collection entitled Wicked Wonders, published by Tachyon. Ellen also has a new novel out for younger readers. It's an historical fiction about women and baseball called Out of Left Field. You can pick that up now. Now, do you like this podcast? Okay, I thought so. So if you want to help other people find it, it's easy to do. Simply leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcast. And while you're at it, give me an idea for a story you'd like to hear me read on the podcast, please. We'll be back next week with another handpicked story. Or if you can't wait that long, you can indulge in the next episode on Stitcher Premium. Each episode goes up one week early and ad-free, so go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar, or if you're listening in Stitcher, just tap the menu button in your app and select Premium for one month free. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Chris C.B. Bannon and Jenny Radelette of the Flying Radelette Sisters. I'm LeVar Burton, and you can find me on Twitter at LeVar Burton and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. And for the kids in your life, check out LeVar Burton Kids' Skybrary app with books and videos at LeVarBurtonKids.com. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.